There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 30th, 2010. For newcomers, you must look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. I have to remind you to bookmark the other sites I have up there. That way, if the com goes down or for, for one reason or another, which it did uh, this week in fact, earlier this week, you can always get the latest show on one of the alternate sites. You can also go into this area where I sell things on my site as well, my books, my CDs, DVDs, and if you purchase those, that will certainly help me out and keep me going. Now, remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase uh, with a personal check to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order to Canada. You can use MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash. A lot of people just send cash these days because it cuts out the guy with the little fat fingers in the $5,000 suits. And you can also, as I say, use PayPal, PayPal for donations. If you want to purchase via PayPal, just send the appropriate donation and a separate email with your name and address and your order and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Now, remember these other sites too. Uh, all the sites have uh, transcripts in English as well for download, but uh, only the... the Alan Watt Sentient, sentinelsite.eu, the European site, has both English and also has other languages too, the languages of Europe, to choose from. And it also has all the same audios as well for download. So that's another alternative, I should say. And lots of people use the Sentinel site for the transcripts in the various languages that they offer. Uh, now, for those who just get the disc burned and passed to them, and lots do, lots do. Some, some of them have been getting them passed for a couple of years before they know where I live because they don't use a computer. They just get them from people who burn them with computers, and eventually they stumble onto me somehow or other. You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, and the number 1, P3E4N1. And all that's out the way now. But uh, as I say, it's important that you do make sure you do have the other sites because uh, I don't understand it when Yahoo suddenly does maintenance at the very time I'm going to upload to them, only on the one site, mind you, and I can't get anything up there. Or else, even though I'm on unlimited bandwidth and upload, um, they cut me back with that too, uh, or, or it doesn't automatically upload as it's supposed to. And the whole staff of them across the planet just can't put their brains on it and figure out what's wrong. That's what, that's what I'm told. So that's the sort of games that go on. Now, I've been going on about perception again. Perception is so important because we take everything for granted, the way things come to us, how information comes to us. Um, the spins on information. I read last night some of the stuff from Mr. Sunstein and Taller where they're using prompts 
uh, as they call it, prompts to prompt you to make the right decisions and choices, especially as we go into a greater and greater entanglement, a greater entanglement of electronic uh, living. Uh, we're in a time where everything's interconnected and, and going to be really interconnected in the next well, maybe five years or so. They're talking about the Internet of Things, where nanotechnology and chips in your clothing, your shoes, uh, and, and anything that you purchase will all be communicating with each other continuously into these massive data banks. And I can tell you they're so far ahead of anything they discuss in the tech magazines of what they have in order to be able to accommodate this stuff and utilize it. And they know how they're going to use, utilize it too to control you. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just before I go on with tonight's show, there's a caller from New England. Zach, are you there, Zach? Yes, I'm here. Uh, yes. How are you doing tonight? Pardon? I said, how are you doing tonight? No, I'm not bad. I'm just keeping outside of the chemtrails. They, they doze me every night, you know. Yeah, yeah they're uh, out and about here in, uh, in Maine, too. I saw a section of the sky that was eggshell-colored. Yep. But then just to the north, it was blue, mm-hmm. and I saw little swaths of the chemtrails this evening. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, uh, I uh, noticed something on my car uh, yesterday, and somebody noticed it, uh, I don't know, over the weekend. It didn't tell me about it, and uh, I think it connects to something I saw, I saw on uh, Facebook, and you started off... Uh, the conversation tonight, uh, talking about electronics and everything's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we get sucked into this mess and I'm one of the lalas out there, I guess, that's on Facebook. And I'm noticing with the people at work, the conversation at the shop, they talk about all the undercover police officers that are everywhere. Like they got so many different cars out that they're pulling people over yeah. and they don't look like cop cars. Well, somebody posted on Facebook, and I'll, I'll read, you know, I'm logged on now, and I'll, I'll read my response. They said, so apparently there's an undercover cop car in Bangor driving a greenish Ford Taurus, completely unmarked, with the exception of lights installed in the head and taillights. Glad it wasn't me who learned that's the hard way. And then I responded back. I said, that's predatory. I said, the best way to get rid of the mafia is to make the extortion racket they run legal. And to me, it almost seems like law enforcement truly is a legalized mafia out to yeah. take much from the people by way of fines to give to the state that is desperately in need of money thanks to the artificial scarcity of it that has been created by the money magician banksters that dictate our, dictate our fate. It's a good way to train the public that Big Brother could be anywhere, and cops need money too, even the undercover ones that prey on the public in the name of public service. And that's what I wrote. And yeah. I, I kind of wonder if uh, the fact that one of my windows was shot out with a BB had something uh-huh. to do, you know, uh-huh. some secret mm-hmm. group out there trying to, you know, say, hey, you know, watch what you say. So. Well, actually, it's not unthinkable because a lot of these cop- cops are very immature and uh, they're called gung-ho and they really do have the impression that they are the bosses over the public. They're not policemen anymore. 
And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that too. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they get really upset personally, some of them, if you even ask them a simple question. Yeah, they think you're challenging their, their ultimate authority. So it's not unthinkable at all. I know people who have complained to police about different things before, and they've had their, they've been persecuted for months on end with getting their cars stopped everywhere they go for no reason. Uh, and, of course, it's because they've marked them as a target. Yep. Oh, uh, speaking of police, uh, this just popped into my mind and Facebook and the weird network of everything that people post. Well, there was uh, uh, I'm not in college, but I have friends who are, and uh, there was a big end-of-the-year party that was uh, just off campus with a bunch of band kids. But anyway, you know, they posted an invite for people online, and this afternoon, cops showed up to the door. Nobody, nobody was there yet. You know, the party's later on at night, and they said, we know about your party, and it would be a good idea not to have it. Mm-hmm. And I personally wasn't going to attend, but it just shows to people that, you know, geez, mm-hmm. of course they learned about it on Facebook. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just scary. It, it is scary, but that's uh, a given. Uh, they've been, I know in Canada they've shown us various divisions of police forces, even local ones with their banks of computers, uh, just scouring the Internet for anything to look into. And they, they did mention that parties uh, is a big thing uh, under the guise that they're looking for ecstasy parties, that type of stuff, and, and, and so on. But they're into everything. There is no privacy at all. And what you're finding now is the technology that the big boys themselves used maybe 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, become obsolete. Uh, they sell this technology off, and eventually this stuff gets filtered down and bought over by the local police even. Uh, so they're now using stuff that's, that's to us very advanced, but it's really obsolete to the NSA, for instance. But uh, the military-industrial complex, believe you me, is through all of this, all of this. There's no end to it. Uh, they're into everything, and uh, I've got so much on the military-industrial complex and how they, they decided even in the 60s that if they went through the Cold War and eventually won, they'd have to find new ways of war. Terrorism would be the thing, and the public would be the terrorists. Therefore, they would start the, the massive lobbying as, as far back as the 60s to get governments to start introducing uh, legislation to enable the government to purchase all of the surveillance stuff that's now in use today. This goes way back, so you're quite right. But the police really um, don't see themselves as servants of the public. You're quite right, too. There's so much stuff in Canada. Uh, when, the, when the cops in Toronto, they still are under the Metro, Metropolitan Division, they went on strike a few years ago. And the, the government, the local government in Toronto was uh, uh, losing, uh, said in the papers, I can't remember how many multi-thousands of dollars per day in tickets that were, they, they, they relied upon these tickets to fill the coffers of, uh, of the local government. So that's a standard thing. In Britain, a massive chunk of uh, extra spending money for government comes from, from police forces. That's why they concentrate thousands and thousands of cops on the roads all the time, and they put in this new, incredibly super sophisticated spy system on all roadways, so that the computers themselves on one road and other roads can communicate with each other, time how long it got you to, to go from A to B to C to E, and they could actually backtrack and fine you retrospectively for breaking a speed limit. Wow. Yep. Massive fines too, yeah. Well, I, I, I was mowing today and I was thinking, 
the only vaccination for zombification is truth. And uh, thanks to you, I've, I've uh, had quite uh, quite the doses of truth uh, just over the past year that I've been listening to you. And uh, thanks for all you do. And I recommend to all your listeners out there who haven't watched your books or, you know, some of the blurbs you have to take a look at your site. And uh, they won't be disappointed uh, after purchasing uh, a book or two. Yeah. Yeah, have, have a good weekend, and uh, I'll see you. Then thanks for calling. And personally, I stay away from all these sites. Uh, I knew before when they first came out what they were all set up to do, and um, I don't care what appeal they, they try to give you, and they're very appealing apparently for different age groups. They target the age groups. Um, uh, it's all to collect data for the big boys themselves. And whatever you put out voluntarily can be used in court against you and all the rest of it down down the road. Why help them create and update uh, their, your personality profile? Why, why help them out here? I don't understand it at all. You know, in reality, you're lucky if you can come through live, your life uh, with uh, m- maybe two or three friends. And even the ancient philosophers in Greece said the same thing. If you hit five friends in your whole lifetime, they were perhaps not always, always your friends, or you've lost them in the past, or whatever. But the fact, if you've made five in your lifetime, you are doing good. And yet here they are, all these invitations: join this, join that. Uh, here's your friends on Facebook. That's there's no, it's rubbish, folks, rubbish. And never, for, never, ever lose track. I don't care what chat rooms you go into and all the rest of it. Remember, Sunstein talked about how they'd already been into all the chat rooms. They've got special teams that do it. Hundreds of teams, hundreds and hundreds of teams doing this full time, going into chat rooms. And whatever your beef is, uh, they'll, you'll get somebody coming in that's even better at explaining the beef than you are. And, and then they subvert you, break you up and all the rest of it and get all the info on you. Uh, it's incredible. See, the government's got unlimited financing from you and for the next generations to come. That's where they get their financing from, to create your chains. So don't help them. I mean, personally, you should be using the thing as minimalistically as possible, the computer, and especially uh, even emails, in fact, even, even emails. You don't know who's on the other end of whatever. You have no idea. You don't even know what gender it is or what age it is or anything else. And you don't know if it's a cop team is trying to set you up for something. There's lots of them doing that. So be very, very, very careful. You know that it's a true saying too, you can't help an accident waiting to happen. There are people out there that seem to be like chickens. They've got that chicken look, you know, there's to just strut around with a chicken look and they're just dying to be to be plundered by somebody. And they will be plundered by somebody or set up, you know. Be very, very careful. But, yeah, the, 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 the industrial war complex, the military-industrial war complex, and by that I mean all the, the big pharma, the vaccine manufacturers that have the laboratories would experiment with vaccines and bacteriums and viruses and so on. That's all part of it. And the big chemical industries are, are all part of it too at the top, uh, apart from the fact that those guys, those guys that make the aircraft and the tanks and so on and so on. It's a massive, massive business. And uh, really they've weaponized everything else that technically wasn't theirs. They've weaponized, you might say, the school system 
to make sure that everyone's standardized with the same nonsense they call education. It's really a social indoctrination they're getting. Your food has definitely been weaponized. People really have a lot of problems today. They never had them recently. It's the last 10 years or so. When you suddenly see autism go skyrocketing, you know something caused it. That's the standard uh, medical detective work. What, what's changed? What's changed to cause this? What's changed in your environment? Have you changed your food? Have you changed it? Have you had any inoculations? Have you, have you, have you? And that's how you get to the bottom of something. Allergies are the same now too. We have massive increases of allergies of all kinds and description, and yet there's no crisis about it. It's a sudden transformation of all society with massive allergies. There's no crisis. There's no crisis when we become all sterile at the same time, etc., etc. That means, folks, they did it on purpose, and that's why they're not worried about it. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Last night I meant this touched on at the end uh, a report that was brought about by or, and for on behalf of the Privacy Commissioner of Britain. And they have these Privacy Commissioners in all of the British Commonwealth countries, such as Canada, who occasionally comes out and they'll tell us startling news like you're, you're losing all your rights and your freedoms and your privacy. Uh, and then he says, well, although I'm the privacy commissioner, um, I, I, I'm not allowed to do anything about it. He has no powers, in other words, except just to tell us what's happening to us. You know? And then people go and turn on the sports and forget all about it. But this particular report was done for the, the, the commissioner in 2006. It's very re- revealing. Of course, they've come a long way since then, but a lot of the stuff they talk about that has come to pass, in fact. Now, down in... in Part 9 is page 9. It's about Echelon. Everyone, I'm sure, in the patriot communities uh, uh, across the world have heard uh, Echelon. There was a big hubbub about it at the time, where it's voice recognition on one hand, but it's also, because we've all got voice recognition, and they showed you that even movies like Enemy of the States and the NSA was doing it uh, back in the 60s and 70s for phone calls. But um, Echelon also goes on to key words that you use. And it's very sophisticated. It isn't simply a matter of saying bomb and suddenly they tune into you. Uh, that is part of it. But it, with your sequences of sentences and words, the, th- the thing has actually got a certain logic and it can figure out your intentions and all the rest of it. So on page 9 it says here, Transnational State Surveillance of Telecommunications Signals Intelligence, S-I-G-I-N-T. That's kind of like the British NSA. They all work together, though remains in an area shrouded in secrecy with the technological capabilities the subject of a combination of educated guesswork, uh, extrapolation and rumour. States also routinely filter vast states or countries, vast amounts of telephone, telex, email and fax traffic for reasons of national interests, both security and economic interests. They do spy. You don't understand all these big agencies. And guys who have been in MI5 and MI6 have admitted that their prime missions were to secure and maintain the economic systems, especially the economic um, super personages of their particular country, to make sure they had the edge in business, international business. Yep. 
That's what your spy systems really are number one concerned about. So it says here, the so-called Echelon system, the global surveillance network operated by the American National Security Agency, maintains a huge base at Menwith Hill in North Yorkshire, England, which routinely automatically filters all telecommunications traffic passing through the UK for keywords and phrases and increasingly employs more sophisticated algorithms for advanced speech and even meaning recognition. That's what I'm saying, but it can actually put things together. International licensed cable communications are perhaps one of the easiest forms of communications to intercept, as for historical reasons, all lines pass through nodal points located in major cities. And they do, they have them all over the major cities. And from there, uh, they're tapped back to the NSA and SIGINT and so on. London is therefore a major centre for the interception of ILC, that's, the, that's that licensed cable communications, uh, carried out by the UK's General Communications Headquarters, GCHQ, through a massive computer which they call Dictionary. Dictionary. They've probably got a th- a thesaurus as well. Uh, 9.5. Video surveillance. Photographic surveillance has been in existence longer than most people think. Almost as soon as it was invented, the camera's being used to record the faces and other physical characteristics of criminals. See, we're all criminals now, you understand? Even television and video surveillance using closed-circuit television was used temporarily in public open streets in Britain as far back as the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II in 1953 and permanently in some areas on London from the late 1960s. The most folk never even knew until now. And it says, now police chiefs, you can understand it's an association of police chiefs that work under the, U- the UN. They're the big gang at the top. And they also get lobbied by the military-industrial complex. And you better believe it, like all big transactions, money passes hands if you take on their contracts. That's how business works. So this great coterie of world police chiefs, uh, uh, who, through via the UN, um, of course, are all for all of this equipment and, and the goodies and so on and so on as they expand and expand and expand. See, any department that gets set up for any function must try and justify its existence, and they truly feel security in numbers. They also have their own public relations team, meaning propaganda, which they always churn out uh, how bad the world is and how incredibly unsafe it is and how they need more policemen and more equipment and yada, 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 yada to justify their existence. If crime truly went down and you had to start laying off the police, they would not be too happy. So anyway, it says here, police chiefs demand, they demanded, this is on the official report to the government, they demanded the intensification of surveillance of the motorist and is set to expand rapidly. In March 2005, the Association of Chief Police Officers demanded a national network of automatic number plate recognition, ANPR, utilizing police, local authority, highway agencies, and other partners in commercial sector cameras, including the integration of the existing town centers and high street cameras with a national ANPR data center with an operational capability to process 35 million ANPR reads every day, increasing to 50 million by 2008, stored for two years. And they've done all the stuff that I'm reading here. They've done it all and more. Back after this break.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading some paragraphs from an, a, a report put out for the or put out by the Privacy Commissioner for Britain. And as I say, every country in the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, has this, the same thing: a Privacy Commissioner who tells us how bad it is and and the fact we've no rights and we've no privacy whatsoever. But there's nothing you can do about it. Now on. Uh, Page 10, chapter, or verse 3, it says, Un- Unintentional control. However, while social sorting is both an intention and an outcome of many forms of surveillance, surveillance should not be taken to be identical with direct social control. While social control, the strict regulation of personal behavior to order society, can be the intention of surveillance and has been historically. Remember, what Skinner says, you want to alter the behavior of the public, you put something in their environment that wasn't there before. And cameras are everywhere. And you don't behave the same way when you know you're getting watched all the time. You, ended up, you end up looking like George Orwell with no expression in your face, just hands in the pockets and look straight ahead or at the sidewalk as you walk along. But it says here, in most contemporary Western cases, the controlling effects of surveillance are indirect or unintentional. Well, I don't believe that because I've read other articles from government sources uh, and they're darn well uh, quite happy that it's making people more um, quieter and orderly and all the rest of it. That You can't be spontaneous, even with your friends, when you're on camera all the time. It says here on 10, uh, I don't know if it's part 5, 3, even border surveillance practices are being privatized. We don't realize that how the military-industrial complex is in and out of everything. It's all totally interwoven. So even border surveillance practices are being privatized. The evidence is that the outsourcing of state border security to private commercial companies, IT uh, multinationals, major weapons and military hardware manufacturers, consultants, risk analysts, banks, identity management and biometrics corporations is a burgeoning practice. For example, in 2004, IBM won a £15 million contract for Project Semaphore the first phase of the UK government's e-borders, electronic borders program. Project Semaphore, in a similar program to US VISIT, US Visit, will integrate databases on airline passengers entering and leaving the UK. That's already been done. Together with Project IRIS, all these projects, all, these are all military terms for exercises, you understand? And it's, that's why all these Project IRIS, Project Semaphore, Project this and Project that is also trialed by IBM. The program will link biometric data to integrated databases that can identify anomalous patterns of behavior. IBM is one example of a vast array of companies who now have a designated homeland security practice offering data management, biometric, and identity services to governments. Other notable players are Accenture, A-C-C-E-N-T-U-R-E, Accenture, which leads the $10 billion U.S. Smart Borders Alliance in the U.S. Oracle, whose ubiquitous identity management systems are now being used by the U.K. and the U.S. as homeland security solutions. 
and consumer electronics and telecom companies such as Ericsson, who are contractors for the U.S. Strategic Border Initiative. In many instances, the biometric border schemes are linked to frequent uh, flyer programs of other loyalty cards. Remember the loyalty cards, too? They all started off with uh, ones for your pharmacy, one for your supermarket, and all the rest of it. And you thought, oh, that's nice, you get a little discount. Do you know that the government started most of those things off to collect your, your data? See, so, so here they are with the um, biometric border schemes are linked to f- uh, frequent filter programs of other loyalty cards. And in the U.S., the trend is moving towards corporate sponsorship by credit providers such as MasterCard, the expansion of privatized ID guarantee. So they're calling it privatized ID guarantee like to get you across the borders and all the rest of it. has the potential to render obsolete. So they're going to go around your national um, uh, uh, debates on ID. They're going to do it by doing it internationally. The expansion of privatized ID guarantee has the potential to render obsolete some of the debates about national ID cards and biometric passports. Then it goes on to to about social exclusion. The intensified surveillance of urban life also involves powerful processes of social exclusion. This is characterized by the creation of disconnections for those people and places deemed in some way unprofitable or risky. Remember in in this brave new world you're going to be either a person or a non-person? To be a person, you have to be totally in their system, following all their rules. It says here, Crucially then, the new surveillance technologies can thus forcibly slow down people's, certain people's lives, making them logistically more, not less, difficult. Much of the sorting or social sorting by surveillance systems now works automatically. That's without human discretion. Continually, that is 24 hours a day and in real time without delay through software. Very often the motivation is overcoming the barriers of electronic and physical congestion uh, facing affluent, privileged or powerful people and places as they confront the challenges of living and operating in dense, urban and increasingly mobile societies which place a premium on networked connections and flows connections connecting to other places. However, once introduced both access and blockage, that's what they're calling it, access and blockage, and a lot of people get blocked, believe you me, are increasingly policed automatically, threatening a technological lock-in, dividing contemporary societies more decisively into high-speed, high-mobility and connected and low-speed, low-mobility and disconnected classes. And then it goes on to say here, Everything's monitored. Appropriate policy is especially difficult to define in respect of covert surveillance, where this involves transnational espionage, as with the Echelon system, the fact that for official purposes such systems do not exist. For official purposes such systems do not exist, or are held to be in the realm beyond the law, that's what they'll tell you. Well, we can't do nothing about that. It's out of our hands, but they're snooping on you. Or conducted in partnership with the agencies of other states or nations. And it makes a mockery of ideas of choice and consent. You have no consent in any of this, you understand. That's what he's telling you. You have no consent. The UK has a long tradition of secrecy and a blanket assumption of exemption on behalf of the intelligence services. 
For example, the Intelligence Services Act, the ISA, 1994, specifically allowed the GCHQ, the UK's General Communications Headquarters, to monitor or interfere with electromagnetic, acoustic and other emissions and any equipment producing such emissions and to obtain and provide information derived from or related to such emissions or equipment and from encrypted material for a wide range of purposes in the interests of national security. They can do anything they want, regardless of any law that you think is on the book to protect you. Anything they want, and all I have to say is in the interest of national security, and everyone's using that one. Every country is using that. The economic well-being of the United Kingdom, or in support of the prevention of or de- detection of serious crimes. See there again. It's commonly believed that a warrant is required for every specific instance of telecommunications interception, such as telephone tapping. This is true of ordinary police surveillance. However, the ISA actually stated in a particularly cunningly worded paragraph that no entry on or interference with property or with wireless communications shall be unlawful if it is authorized by a warrant issued by the Secretary of State under this section, which does not say that any of the actions mentioned is unlawful unless authorized by a warrant. That's a beauty. Within the meaning of the act, entry or Interface with property or with wireless telegraphy could be carried out lawfully without a warrant. It's all in the wording, folks. I've told you before, everything, even law, especially law, is exoteric for the public and esoteric for those in the know. All in the same written paragraphs. 26. If we are to suggest overall themes, they are that the future surveillance society will be one of pervasive surveillance primarily directed at tracking and controlling mobilities of all kinds, people, objects, and data, and at predicting and preempting behavior. We also assume that the shift of power from public to private continues. Now, you understand when it's all private, you have no... Well, right now, you have not much to say, to be honest with you, um, because the governments don't work for the public. They never have. That's just been the con game. But... Uh, that's why you have the private uh, soldier companies like Blackwater that changed their name recently and other ones too. They're not responsible to the public. If you go to the government and complain about what they've done, they'll say, well, what, we can't do much. They're a private organization. It's out of our hands. It's not our jurisdiction. Quite wonderful, isn't it? And then they go through other other things here with links here on scan systems, uh, different articles and so on. And I'll, I'll put up a bunch of links tonight for you to look through all of this stuff. For those that really want to know uh, what it's really all about out there. But you've got to also go into the universities as well. You understand academia, and I've read the articles before, academia truly was blended with the industrial war, uh, military-industrial complex back in before World War II, definitely through it. All the universities were working on viral and bacterial warfare for the, for the big boys and various other gizmos and gadgets to kill people, and uh, and then the Cold War, they all got in in the acts of surveillance and uh, tapping and so on and so on. So academia is a great big part of it. And I was reading a paper recently from a, a university in Canada where the character who... They, they, always send, they always show you about a first page. It doesn't mean much because he's showing off his vocabulary. That's, that's his little test for his peer group 
to show you could actually string a sentence together. It's just a, it's a unfortunate they can't put it in a straightforward manner that anybody understands. But it eventually gets down to the nitty-gritty. And what it's really based about uh, or, or on is how they can use the paranoia of the public. You understand how we th- see we think in a linear fashion. You understand? We truly think in a linear fashion. Those who work in the military-industrial complex are non-linear. The guys at the real, the real top of it are non-linear. It's, it's no different than the behaviorists who go to the marketers or work for the marketing companies, and you go with a problem. Uh, we can't get the customer to buy this particular product. And they'll figure a way to make to treat you or observe you like an animal. What make, makes this animal tick? Well, well, we'll make them go for this item by encouraging this, this, and this, and then they'll go for that item. And you'd never ever dream up. You, you could never imagine yourself with your linear thinking how it's done till it's explained to you. Well, this article uh, from uh, one of the universities here was they say was how to how to use the people and the public's paranoia about the surveillance society and those who are involved in conspiracy theories. It's quite amazing. I mean, the very fact that he could, they're obviously calling anyone and any group that questions this intensive surveillance conspiracy crazies, you know. But they're saying, how can we use this force and turn it to our advantage? And so his rest of, the rest of his thesis is how you can actually do that for the intelligence services. That we'd never dream of this. We'd never dream of the day your own anger or, or, or disgust at what's happening could be used against you. Do you remember the movie George Orwell's 1984? You see the process of the torture of, of Winston, the character in it by O'Brien. And, Every so often they take you to this scene where they, they come to a door and there's a big field and the hill and all that. And it's really nice. And O'Brien tells him, uh, as Winston praises him, that you're the most wonderful person. And O'Brien says, yes, I am. And uh, uh, here he says, this is my world. Uh, if I say I can fly, I can fly. And, of course, Winston would have to agree with him. Uh, if I say two and two is five, then it's five. And whatever I say, being a representative of Big Brother... Whatever I say is therefore reality, and you better believe it as reality. They use your, your, your own weaknesses against you. Whereas the weakness to please a master when you're under torture, where, whereas the, 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 uh, it's intense psychological studies, as I'm saying, and that's all used against us. All, there's nobody been more studied and monitored on this planet. Forget all the insects and the little cuddly animals and all the nature shows. We were studied for thousands of years, and even more intensely, since they created anthropology and all the rest of it, and zoology as well, and all the other ologies that go along with it to study mankind himself. But when the behaviorists got into the act with their study of humanity and they could prove it, they could prove their studies worked as, as opposed to the regular therapy psychology that goes all the way into the new age now, uh, the behaviorists have a different thing. They can prove it by studying and film shows of actual experiments and you can actually see how they work with people. They know how everyone ticks. They know it. They know that a spontaneous leader doesn't come out of a crowd. It's a very, very, very rare thing. Uh, you can sit in a doctor's office, and I've seen these uh, in, in psychology um, uh, uh, videos, uh, and you, you'll hear someone getting beat up next door. 
a woman, or for instance, she's screaming and screaming. It's only once in a blue moon that a person will actually get up and go and investigate. They all sit and look at each other, and then some of them get ashamed and they walk out and so on. They know human nature. They understand human nature. When they read about these little events in, in the media, so-and-so raped in broad view of a of hundred passers-by, they're not surprised at all as to how we react to things. They've done repeated experiments on the public in every possible situation. Every possible situation. And they know how you react. They actually have teams out there, you know, uh, working uh, with universities, with intelligence agencies, who will target certain individuals uh, with, with strange emails. They'll have the personality profile of the person, what they're interested in, and so on, and the person might be tempted to open that email, even though it's a strange one, it's a strange name or whatever, and they'll open it up and get a little bit faster. They can actually play a game with you and run you around in circles and get you to do all odd kind of things, and then monitor your email going in and out to everybody else at the same time, because they give themselves permission to do that, you see. They play with us. They play with us like rats in a cage in a laboratory. And very few of the public really know that. See, if you really do know that, you don't play their games. You don't use all their Facebooks and all the rest of the stuff they, they throw out for you. You don't help them. Most people know that on one level, and an intellectual level, but they go ahead anyway. Quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. I'm sure they've never worked down to the averages and the percentages of how many people will actually wisen up to this and leave it alone. They probably have all those studies completely completed long ago. But that's the kind of world we're in. We have no freedom whatsoever. And really, in a sense, if they could have had this a hundred years ago, this technology, they would have used it then in just the same way and gone the exact same way with it. Because those at the top live in utter paranoia of all of you. And no wonder if you knew what they're up to and how they've plundered you back after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I mentioned that enemy of the state before. Now people should really see that and watch it two or three times uh, because it was done back in the 90s and it showed you at that time uh, what they were already really doing. The the equipment which they showed in the movie was actually used uh, and been used for a long time, many years by the NSA. And uh, they could go into your bank account and put money in it and, and, and then, the, then put reports in the paper you were embezzling and stuff like that. They do that kind of stuff all the time when they target someone, set you up, um, and uh, you're in the newspapers. You're suddenly disgraced, someone they want wants out of the picture. And that happens all the time. They all do this too. Britain does the same thing as well. And also the movie uh, Brazil, the comedy, a comedy satire of, of uh, the future, which is now, it was written again, it was done back in the 80s, I believe, by the, the, some of the guys from the Monty Python crew. And um, in a comedy form, they show you this massive bureaucratic society, a world society, where the biggest building is at the Department of Information Retrieval, and uh, heavily guarded, of course, and the different class structure that works within it, 
uh, and then the ordinary folk down below at the bottom. But um, it goes through an awful lot of this, especially when the, the movie itself starts off with a SWAT team coming through a roof to kill someone, and it's because uh, a fly, and this is how they do it in the comedy, a fly had got into the telex machine and a bee turned to a T, and Tuttle ended up getting assassinated, and, the, and then they tried to cover up their mistakes. Well, you see, science fiction writers were writing back in the 50s what would happen in this computerized society that they talked about was coming up. People and non-persons, as I say, if, you, if you're not fully in it, you don't exist, you know. Uh, but also, the people are getting convicted all the time, or accused, or put on databases by mistake, and you can never get off of it. Never mind just the, the, the no-fly uh, list. And lots of folk are on that. Even babies are on that, by the way, and they can't get them off. Once you're on, that's it. From the Mail Online in Britain, the innocents are branded as yobs and perverts in crime records blunders. 14th of April, 2010, seven innocent people a day are falsely branded criminals because of bungled records checks. They're wrongly accused of being pedophiles, thugs, fraudsters or drug addicts, potentially ruining their reputations and their careers. In many cases, misleading information has been disclosed to schools, hospitals, nurseries or charities. Over the past six years, the Criminal Records Bureau has been forced to admit making mistakes in almost 15,000 cases. It is now paying compensation at a rate of £290,000 a year. That's for the ones who got the money to fight them and get off the list. Last night, campaigners said the scale of the errors was typical of the lackadaisical approach ministers have to personal data. You've got to understand, too, and that's true, and all the agencies that deal with the data now, uh, security agencies are becoming lackadaisical about it. It's just, they're just used to it all. So what? It's no big deal if someone gets falsely branded. That's it. It's just another statistic, and who cares? You know, and they got into something else. They warned that problems will worsen when the controversial independent safeguarding authority begins vetting up to 9 million people who come into contact with children, including parents who want to help out at schools, sports clubs or youth groups. The scale of the controversy emerged yesterday following a freedom of information request to the CRB. This revealed that during the financial year 2008 to 9, 2,522 disputes handled by the agency were upheld. Once you're on them, though, they're generally there for life, folks. And you can't defend yourself. Brave new world, here we are. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>